Welcome to another episode of the Virtual Coffee Break with the MSU Extension Dairy Team. Today, we have an interesting topic that has come up in our conversation with dairy producers before. How do I manage milk quality on automatic milking systems when I don't have milkers monitoring cows on a daily basis? In today's episode, dairy educator Victor Malaco talks with Dr. Andrus, a professor of the University of Minnesota that could provide insight into this and other questions regarding milk quality or milking robots. Victor, take it away. The use of robot milk systems is growing in the United States. Farms with primarily female labor are installing robots to allow them to milk more cows without hiring labor. Larger farms are considering robot milk systems because of the challenge of finding keeping hired labor and to improve cows' welfare and health. But milking cows in automatic milk systems is not exempt from challenge. I'm Victor Malaco, a dairy educator within Michigan State University Extension. And today, I'm pleased to have Dr. Marcy Andrews with me to talk about the challenges and opportunities of harvesting high-quality milk in herds milked with automatic milk systems. Dr. Andrews is a professor in the Department of Animal Science at the University of Minnesota with an extension research appointment. Her research interests include their management, welfare, and behavior. She has studied how housing and management systems can influence their cattle health, welfare, and performance. She has recently conducted research and outreach on precision dairy technologies, including individual cow behavior sensors, automatic calf feeders, and robot milk systems. Dr. Andrews, welcome, and thank you for joining me today in this episode of the Virtual Coffee Break with the MSU Extension Dairy Team. Thank you for having me, Victor. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Dr. Andrews, before we jump into today's topic, can you talk a bit about the work you have been doing at University of Minnesota with dairy precision and with automatic milk systems? Yes, we, about 10 years ago, our team here, we realized there was uh, a lot of farmers were starting to, you know, adopt robots. I mean, I should say a lot, some farmers. Mm -hmm. And we thought we need to get more information, right? Because as part of my extension role, I have a research extension appointment. The type of research that I do is very applied, and a lot of it's done on commercial farms. So we started with surveys um, to better understand management practices, understand the reasons why producers are adopting robotic milking systems. And at that time, uh, back in 2012, 13, uh, many of the farms are the smaller farms moving into robots because they want to improve their lifestyle, basically, or they want to expand, you know, have a few more cows without having to have, um, you know, additional labor, just having family labor. So we saw basically try to be proactive and start to do research with robotic systems uh, with the understanding that this will be a trend and has really picked up in the last, um, I'll say three years, including now larger farms. So we have basically different sizes of dairies that are adopting robots. And in our role here at the University of Minnesota, we focus a lot on looking at management practices, housing factors, and different things that might influence productivity in robots and how can uh, the system be more uh, successful uh, and more efficient, if you will. This is amazing, Marcia. Your group is definitely a pioneer in the study of automatic milk systems in the United States. And I'm very excited to be here today to talk about milk quality on AMS farms. So getting to today's topic, is milk quality a challenge for farms using automated milk systems? It can be. So it's something that 
of course, with a conventional parlor, if you have a well-trained milkers, they're going to be checking the milk, right? Every day, the force strip, and they'll see if a cow has, you know, clinical mastitis and so on. You don't have that in a robot, right? You rely on a machine now. So this machine is basically harvesting the milk for you. And it's using a set of various metrics that are collected about every cow that can help you manage milk quality, but you need to really uh, work and pay attention to those metrics in order to better manage somatic cell counts and milk quality. So depending on the farm, we've seen some, uh, how can I say, disasters, I guess I'm going to use that word, Uh, when a farm is not paying close attention to the, say, the equipment and making sure that everything is working properly, you might have a situation where somatic cell counts go really high. We had a small farm here years ago. This is back in the beginning of our studies. I would say back in 13, 14, uh, where somatic cell counts went up to 750,000. Really hard to get out of that. Um, mm-hmm. So many cows had severe mastitis and so on. And that had to do more of just the equipment, not necessarily other things that are happening on the farm. And I think we have improved considerably uh, in terms of not only the equipment, it's getting more, providing more information that helps us manage milk quality. But also we are learning as producers, advisors, employees, et cetera. We're also learning how to better utilize the system. So milk quality is becoming less of a challenge, but we still need to be really on top of it, right? Yes, that's good to hear. A lot has been improved since the first robot was installed in the United States 22 years ago, right? And Marcia, what are the things to consider when adopting automatic milk systems that can negatively affect milk quality? So one thing I always like to tell producers that just because install robots, all the robots are doing is basically harvesting the milk, right? So it's not going to solve any other problems that you have on the farm. So you need to really focus on the basics that are also important for conventional farms. We're looking at transition cow management, make sure cows are healthy when they transition vaccination protocols for things, for example, uh, coliform mastitis, very important to have consistently done. Uh, We want to make sure that cows are comfortable, um, have a clean environment. So when cows come into the robot, they're not so dirty that they cannot be cleaned well enough before the machine is attached because the the robot is not seeing that cow is dirty or clean, right? It's going to follow the same procedure for every cow, whatever type of system you have once, you know, some use a prepping cup, some use like a brush system, whatever, but a cow coming cleaner helps, right? Research in Europe showed that there was a correlation between cleanliness, like hygiene scoring and somatic cell count on the farm. So important aspects of management of the barn uh, also need to be taken into account. And then I mentioned briefly already, Um, Very important to pay attention to the equipment maintenance and cleanliness and setting it up. You know, I go to some farms and I I walk in the robot room and it looks like it's brand new. Everything's so clean. It's so beautiful. And I'm not saying that this is always the case, but I normally see these farms. I have a clean robot room, a clean robot. These farms are the ones that I see with lower somatic cell counts, lower incidence of mastitis and so on. So paying attention to all the things that are related to cow management and barn management are important to consider. Um, And also the maintenance, uh, regular maintenance of your system, a robotic system, and daily checking of the system. Maybe it takes you 10 minutes, right? Make sure checklist, everything is working. I don't have a kinky 
kinked at holes or a kinked tubing system that's bringing the disinfectant to, for prepping cows, for example, happen in the farm where they were not paying attention to that. And then somatic cell counts go up. So paying attention, have a checklist and do all that. Um, other things to consider when you have robots in, in terms of improving or maintaining good milk quality is that we should do bulk tank cultures, I think, regularly to just see if there's any organisms that might be appearing in your farm and then you want to control for those. And also paying attention to that pretty much all the robots that I'm familiar with, that I work with, have a health report, we call it. So every day, twice a day, you can have a list of cows that need attention. Mm -hmm. So this list might tell you this cow need, you know, potential has mastitis, let's say, or this cow just got flagged for whatever reason. So I think it's very important to act upon that list and go in, in the barn and find those cows and then check them, do a physical exam. And if it's mastitis, if it could be mastitis, it's important to do maybe a, a CMT or collect milk for cultures, et cetera. So those are a lot of things that are important. There's a lot of steps as I'm trying to say, but it's, it's not installing robots and forgetting about it. Robots require attention to detail and attention to all the management practices that are also important for conventional systems, but become even more important in robots because you're not seeing those cows every day. You're not milking them yourself. You are having a machine that's milking for you, right? Yeah, that's true. You need to be proactive. And when you see something, you need to act immediately. Exactly. I think we need to acknowledge that when using automatic milk systems, some tests, they will be performed better by robots and some tests would be performed better by a well-trained milker. What have you observed on the farms you work with in relation to the tip preparation and pre and post tip? Some advantages of having robots, they have, you know, milking cows by quarters. So once cows is done milking gets detached, I really like that about robots compared to a conventional parlor, right? So mm -hmm. we don't have over milking, which can help T-Dent scores, you know, it can help keep those T-Dents healthier because you're not over milking. So that's a positive, I would say, compared mm -hmm. to even like a you know, conventional parlor, right? Mm -hmm. We're not for stripping, right? Like we do on a parlor. So that's a challenge. So that is maybe better in a, in a conventional parlor, as long as your milkers are well-trained and are doing a good job, right, of prepping. So yeah. we, we sometimes say robots don't prep as well as workers do. It depends, because if you have workers that are not well-trained or very uh, committed to doing a very good job of prepping cows, it might not be as good as a robot. So a robot might actually be a lot better because the robot is very consistent. It's going to do the same way every day, right? In terms of pre and post dipping, research done in Europe years ago found that there is a, a, a good percentage of cows, and don't quote me on the number here, I thought it was 8%, but it might be a little higher, uh, the cows that did not get uh, pre and post dipped uh, properly. But I noticed in the newer systems that we have today, we do have you know, better three-dimensional cameras and better ways to identify the teats, and I think coverage is a little bit better. I would say the prepping is usually a little bit more of a concern to me than the pose dipping. I think pose dipping, a lot of times the cow moves a little bit, right? You're mm -hmm. going to miss the teeth. So a lot of the spray does not get to the teeth. So I get a little more concerned. As, as we know, uh, Victor, the pose dipping is very important um, when we think about contagious mastitis prevention, right? Yeah, so not having that very good uh, pose dipping is a bit of a concern. But, but again, with the new systems, I've seen an improvement even on that because we're seeing those cows a little bit better. We're seeing the teats, I should say, we meaning the robot, <laughs> not we. The robot yes. system can find those teats a little bit better and do a better job of pose dipping too. And then ensuring that the cows are getting to the robot clean, it's the main point, right? If they are clean, 
the preparation is going to be easier and uh, pretty JP more efficient. Yes, I definitely agree with that. And, uh, and especially the, the others, right? And the teats, mm -hmm. um, not so much maybe the legs, but the, that part of the cow should be. Actually, I have a farm here that when I go to the farm, I get concerned because I look at the legs and the legs are not as clean, right? But then I look at the teats and the others, and they come really clean into the robot. And this farm usually is about 100,000 somatic cell counts, 110 pounds of milk. So very high production farm, which is interesting. Um, yeah, and interesting. our sand barns, you know, like we have farms here that use different types of bedding. Of course, mm -hmm. uh, sand, as you know, Victor, is still the best for cow comfort evening robots because it keeps the cows a little bit cleaner, right? And yeah. helps with lameness. It's, and also the mastitis because it's inorganic, but it's a little harder in the system, right? Your parts yeah. of your equipment are gonna uh, go bad sooner because they, you know, it's very abrasive. Uh, but we do have quite a few farms using sand and robots, actually, all different types of robots. Are the farms using somatic cell counter? And is the somatic cell count accurate? Yeah, so we do have a, a, a few farms. I, would, I wouldn't say it's a lot of farms yet. There's one company, one robot uh, manufacturer that got approval about probably two years ago now, or a little over that. Time kind of flies with the pandemic. I have a little blur, <laughs> so I don't remember exactly when, but got it approved. It took about five years to get through the approval process because it's very complicated in the U.S. to get approval for these uh, types of things where uh, a little bit of the milk is taken out into a, a, a tester uh, area where they use reagents to test for somatic cell count. And it's been really helpful. I, I was following a farm uh, that was on the test mode, you know, like part of the... FDA approval process, there were some farms that were under testing for this. Mm -hmm. And that farm said that was so much better to monitor and to um, improve milk quality once they installed the somatic cell counters. And they were, they were kind of comparing that, of course, with the DHIA testing and they were comparing to prove, if you will, that was very reliable and was really high. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's very reliable. And so that one, one system is, is available in the market today. It costs another $5,000 uh, to install it. And then there's also the cost of reagents. So it's not free, obviously, mm -hmm. but it definitely helps um, manage somatic cell counts. Another robot manufacturer is going through the approval process right now in the US and uh, probably will be available soon also. I don't know the cost of that one, but that has been proven to be quite accurate also in European studies and, and in Europe. So that's also coming as an option for, for the US. Um, in the meantime, all the robot systems also use other things like conductivity of the milk, temperature, color, production deviation, and things like that to, again, flag those cows that might be in trouble. So even though not everybody has a somatic cell counter, they do have the additional information from all those other options. They are very helpful. They might be 80% accurate, right? They still find a lot of the cows that need attention. So they're, they're very useful. And using this is already good. Um, I'm not saying everybody needs to have a somatic cell counter. It's just a little more accurate. But even with the other um, metrics, we can manage and identify animals that need attention. So mm -hmm. please pay attention to those health reports. Please check your cows and then stay on top of it, especially if you have a contagious situation, which that becomes um, something to to be on top of to becoming a, a nightmare kind of problem where things escalate to a situation where you get uh, many animals that get high cell counts, right? I use that information, use the, the systems. Uh, research in Canada showed that 80% uh, of the farmers indicated uh, that their health monitoring uh, of their animals 
improved substantially after the installed robots because of these things that come along with the robot, all the various sensors and things that help you manage your cows individually. So that, that's something that we always mention that is important to, to pay attention to. Yeah, you received the report, you should use it, right? Exactly. <laughs> so talking a little bit about clinical mass site, we already told that there's uh, many sensors in the robots that help uh, identifying the cows. Do you think for the clinical mass site identification, are the sensors accurate enough? Well, again, those are predictors, right? And they mm -hmm. are not 100% accurate. So they, they do have some false positives. Mm -hmm. So a cow that was flagged and it was for another reason that her information changed and the, the system flagged her. So you go and check her and you see, oh, she doesn't have somatic cell. No, I do a CMT on her or I collect milk to do uh, mm -hmm. on-farm culture or something and, and there's nothing wrong. And the opposite can happen, right? Some of the some of the cows that are positive might be missed. So I wouldn't say it's is a hundred percent accurate. So we're gonna miss a few cows. So it's very important, I think, to monitor your bulk tank routinely for contagious pathogens, especially those are um, very concerning. If if you start having a lot of uh, you know, if you have a contagious pathogen because you didn't know about it, right? The machine mm -hmm. is not cleaned after. So comes another cow and Again, that's how you can transmit, right? From cow to yeah. cow to cow. And it could become a really a big problem. Recently, my, my students and I were at the farm, we're doing a farm evaluation from their production class and working with a farm that has robots and I was talking with the manager. And I was asking how you handle, you know, in terms of if you had a contagious cow, let's say you have a cow you, mm -hmm. you purchase or an actual situation had happened that the their grower, their um, heifer grower mm -hmm. uh, in Nebraska, something happened that, a lot of the heifers came back with staph aureus and they don't know how, if it's a fly transmission or whatever. And, uh, and I said, what did you do with those heifers then? Because they get tested as they come in into the farm and they test, they do cultures on farm and they saw the grand positives and they realize it's staph aureus. And his response was, we called them. We just sold them all. We have a zero tolerance for a contagious mastitis on our farm. And uh, when we did the bulk tank analysis for this farm for the class, we found zero staph aureus, zero prototheca, zero mycoplasma. There's no contagious mastitis. <laughs> and they really try to be on top of it, right? So it takes that. And this farm averages about uh, last uh, my creamery record was 86,000 somatic cell count and robots and 110 pounds of milk. It's amazing, right? And 4.6% fat and 3.4% protein in the milk. It's incredible. But yeah. it does take a lot of paying attention to details and not sleep, if you will, um, just mm -hmm. be on top of it, right? So yes. it, it takes that good manager, good uh, producer that is really interested in, in really devoted to their cows, right? People say, to, sometimes people say, I don't want to put robots because I like my cows. Well, you mm -hmm. should be a guy that puts robots because you need to love cows and be really with them, paying attention to them when you put robots. You, you don't want to be a crop farmer that just likes crops. And I'm going to put a robot so the robot takes care of itself and my cows will be milked by themselves. Those are doomed to fail. So actually paying attention to those cows is very important. Marcia, talking about uh, dry off management, what are the challenges and opportunities for farmers using AMS when it comes to dry off cows? Most of it relates to like fertilities and opportunities that they can manage differently. Right. So on the robots, one thing I like, for example, is that 
you were feeding you know, a partial mixed ration in the bunk, right? In the feeding bunk. And yeah. then you feed a pellet or some other sort of concentrate in the robot, right? So I had a producer, for example, that was showing me his uh, records and he was saying, look at this cow. Uh, she was producing 95 pounds of milk. I changed the feed tables. So producers tend to do a feed table for a gradual reduction in milk production. And mm. then you show me like 10 days later, this cow now is producing 55 pounds of milk. So it makes it a bit easier for me to dry her off, right? So she's not producing as much milk, like, let's say. So that's a positive, I would argue. Mm -hmm. um, the dry off, I completely agree that's very important to do the dry off treatment. Um, and because a lot of the farmers are not uh, necessarily testing um, it's hard to do the selective dry cow therapy if you don't know if a cow, you know, is positive or not on that quarter. Mm -hmm. So most of the farms tend to just do a, a dry off of all quarters. Uh, ideally, we'd like to have a separation pen is a pen where you can divert your cows automatically for different things, right? So mm -hmm. you enter that into the robot uh, software. So this cow is to be dried off tomorrow, whatever. So the robot, you put that information and then automatically that cow is going to go to the separation pen. And then you can, in the separation pen, go and treat her, right? So we go and you put your uh, dry cow uh, intramammary tubes, you put your external or internal sealant, and you can do that in the separation area. It makes it easier, right, for you. Yes. Uh, farms that don't have the separation area that they might be able to do this in, in the headlocks, uh, or they might have a separate place where they might have to bring their cows to a separate barn, if you will, where uh, you do this kind of a, a procedure, right? But definitely needs to be done. In terms of separation pens, they're good not only for dry off cows, but if you need to treat cows that potentially got flagged for whatever reason, be a transition cow that needs to be treated or a cow that have mastitis that needs to be treated, or if you need to singe others, or if you need to uh, do hoof trimming or, or breed cows, et cetera, it's very nice to have the separation pen where you can, again, automatically divert. And those cows have access to stalls, to water, to feed, right? So it gives you a little time to get to that pen yeah. to work on them. And one thing I hear consistently on, on new builds, you know, new barns that were built specifically for robots. So they do incorporate these separation areas. Uh, when you build new, we can do that. A lot yeah. of times what they, what, they, what they hear, actually all the time I hear, I wish I had built this bigger. <laughs> so I wish I had, instead of six stalls, I wish I had nine or 12, or if I, you know what I mean? It's just, it's interesting that always, I still hearing this. So maybe uh, as we hear this so often, maybe the new, builds from now on will be a little bit more appropriate in size <laughs> and For i would sure. stop hearing this situation where oh, I, I wish i had made them bigger and some farms might have a better pack you know, instead of a free stalls for the separation mm -hmm. area where you might put your fresh cows for a few days or you might, again, bring your lame cows so they're more comfortable. And then it's important to make sure you have enough square, square footage, right, for cow mm -hmm. uh, in that case. And those I don't hear as much, actually. Uh, maybe they built them big enough. But <laughs> the ones that have stalls, I always hear, oh, I wish I had more, uh, which is kind of funny, actually. But yeah, having that separation area makes uh, this management a little bit easier for you. It makes it, sure. Um, so we get to the end of our podcast and I have a, one last question for you, Marcia. Uh, what would be a piece of advice that you need to give to the farmer that are milking cows in AMS to avoid problems with mastitis? Right. So I'll go back to importance of make sure all the basics, if you will, are taken care of in terms of cow management, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Make sure the cows are transitioning well, that you have a very good vaccination protocol for mastitis, like say coliform mastitis, uh, that your cows have excellent nutrition, uh, micro minerals, vitamins, et cetera, that can help the immune system. 
because a cow that has a strong immune system is less likely to get mastitis. Um, I would like producers to always perform the bulk tank analysis that I mentioned regularly, to just, just monitoring uh, the status of contagious pathogens and so on. And then culture the cows. And if they are contagious, my preference would be to actually call those cows because you cannot separate them into, and like in a convention system, you could have a separate staph aureus pen, right? We yeah. cannot do this in robots because they're all mixed up together, right? So yeah. I would prefer that ideally, if we, if we can afford it, is to call those cows with contagious mastitis. Use a dry-off dry treatment on all cows, use a teat sealant again, get them done. And some producers have told me that might be uh, something to consider is to prep those cows, those fresh cows manually, just make sure everything is good. Mm -hmm. remove the sealant, uh, do a CMT, you know, like be on top of your fresh cows as they come in, right? Have the others singed? Uh, it sounds like a very obvious thing, but I've been to a farm where the machine was trying to attach to a lump of hair because the hair was so long that the equipment, especially those days when the 3D cameras were not as good and it was more like lasers and stuff, mm -hmm. it was identifying that clump of hair as a teat and it was oh, trying yes. to put the machine... <laughs> on the teeth. So singeing uh, helps and also helps keep your you know, cows cleaner, right? Again, uh, look for the other health reports on the software and use those uh, regularly. Uh, and also simple things like make sure when you dry treating your cows or when you are uh, milking for the first time, make sure you are gloves, uh, make sure you do uh, pre and post it properly equipment, complete uh, technical checkup being done uh, to make sure that everything's run, running up to speed. Uh, do your daily checks of the equipment, do your regular um, maintenance checks that are more like in depth that you do with the manufacturer on a routine basis um, and so on. So uh, appropriate chemicals, make sure your chemicals are being used and are disinfecting your cups or disinfecting your brushes, etc. So it's not just one thing, Victor, it's a combination of things that yeah creating that checklist and training your employees, if it's not yourself doing it, training employees to do it correctly. What do we used to say, like an ounce uh, of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So you want to do things on a daily basis and stay on top to not create a big problem that's much more difficult to resolve if you didn't pay attention. Now you have, like, say, uh, a lot of contagious cows that spread you know, to each other, and now you have a difficult things to solve, right? So it's just really paying attention on a daily basis and looking at your cows, manage them well, I think is very key. So it's not one thing, it's a whole list <laughs> of, of things, exactly. of management and a whole approach, right? A whole, whole system approach for best success. And again, pay attention to those basics and have excellent barn and cow management. Uh, so that really makes a difference for the farms that I know I work with that have been very successful milk quality and production and health of dairy cows and robots. Thank you so much for joining me today, Marcia. And I learned a lot and I bet our listeners will do too and they will have a lot to think about. Thank you for uh, inviting me and tell your listeners, feel free to contact me and my email if they have follow-up questions. I would like to thank Dr. Malako and Dr. Andres for the great discussion and information presented today. As Dr. Andres said, you can reach her at m-i-e-n-d-r-e-s at umn.edu with additional questions regarding today's episode. You could also reach out to us at c-a-r-r-a-s-q-1 at msu.edu with questions regarding this or past episodes, which I remind you all that are always available. Join us next week when Dairy Educator Cora Okema discusses an important topic that could be impacting your animals, and that is otter edema. 
Stay tuned for that and other episodes that are still to come in this fourth season of the podcast. Until next week, I hope you'll join us then. <laughs>